Sunday yoga. Yeah, this morning as we're worshiping, you know, one of the things that we can do, for instance, to enjoy worship is um, to enjoy worship is just look at the words. And one of the things that came to me that really stood out for me this morning was God is with us. God is with us. Through all the struggles we go through, the difficulties, the hardships, we know God is with us. So this morning, I just thought we, you know, we all go through struggles, with difficulties and hardships and sicknesses and, and news like that. So a word just came as we were worshiping was a breakthrough. We serve a God who is a God of the breakthrough. And I'm going to pray this morning, friends, that whatever situation we're going through, whatever bondage or chains that are there, we'll pray for a breakthrough. Because he is a God of the breakthrough. David, when he was in a situation, he was asking, he was praying, God, God, these enemies are before me. What, what do you want me to do? And God says, I will go before you because I'm the Lord of the breakthrough. So this morning, friends, the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. Because he is the God of the breakthrough. And we pray that the God of the breakthrough will break through those situations. Break those chains that are holding us in bondage and give us victory. Break through those situations where we're asking God, God, give me victory. God, give me healing. God, give me deliverance. We'll pray for a breakthrough. Be still and know that I'm God. Father, we pray this morning. Even as we silence our hearts, our thoughts, our voices, and we want to listen to you. We pray, dear God, that as we come before you, you are a God of the breakthrough, the Lord of the breakthrough. And we pray, Father, this morning that you would break through every situation, break through the walls of sickness, break through the walls of the chains that hold us down. Break through the walls of sin. Break through, Lord God, this, this, this morning that we'll experience your victory. That is in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we come before you, you know our situations as we sit here. Give us a breakthrough. And as we trust in you, go before us to fight the battles and give us a breakthrough. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, I'm going to adopt someone in. It's Susan's birthday. She dogged me in on my birthday. I'm going to dob her in. It's okay, Susan, we'll make peace after that. <laughs> well, this morning we're going to look at uh, uh, the whole aspect of stumbling blocks uh, that Mel read for us in the passage. Um, the, what we're looking at is to avoid uh, stumbling 
in order to avoid stumbling, we need to guard others and discipline ourselves. And there's a tremendous promise and a word of encouragement for us in the end. What is needed for greatness in the kingdom of God? It seems like a pretty important question, isn't it? What is greatness in the kingdom of God? In essence, what does it take to be great in the kingdom of God? If you look around a Christian community today, there are some who appear to have achieved greatness. They are respected, they are followed, they are praised, they are sought after, they are articulate, they are charismatic, and they are well known. However, such people may not be the right example of greatness in the kingdom of God. Now, in response to the question raised by his disciples, who, while jostling for greatness in Christ's kingdom, asked Jesus this question, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, Jesus stunned everybody with what he did. Jesus offers a direct question, direct answer to this question, and it baffles everyone. He points to a child that he has placed in the group and says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is greatest. So in our world, where greatness is measured by high position, fame, money, status, celebrity, power, well, no child would qualify. But the child in the arms of Jesus is a graphic illustration of love, trust, and simple obedience. A child in the arms of God is a graphic illustration of love, trust, and simple obedience. And friends, that is what God requires from us. To love Him, to love one another. To trust in Him. And just simple obedience. These are some great lessons for the disciples to learn. And for us too this morning. So we come to this very difficult and important teachings of Jesus. This is a difficult passage. I agonized over it. Self-mutilation, death by drowning, hell. Whatever happened to what a friend we have in Jesus? <laughs> the gentle, meek, and mild Jesus. Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem to face his death. He knows he's running out of time. He is grimly aware that he has left, that he has just few days left with his clueless disciples. They had no idea. And when Jesus talks about leaving this earth and going to a kingdom, they think about who's going to be the great in, the, in that kingdom. So these clueless disciples, after Jesus telling them to be like a child, as, as one of the greatest traits in the kingdom of God, he goes through this whole discourse. He brings a child and puts them in the presence and says, you need to be like this child. But you see, in the very next chapter, verse 19, 
Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. This is what they did. Then people brought little children to Jesus from him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. They still didn't get it. So Jesus ramps things up and he begins to talk about being a stumbling block or, or causing an offense. So in our text this morning, it's all about being stumbling block. Now to avoid stumbling blocks, there are two things we need to do. One, guard others. So we see in this passage, guard others. Secondly, discipline ourselves. And God, and then there's tremendous encouragement in this as well. Verses 6 and 7. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around the neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Always to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but all to the person through whom they come. Jesus here in this passage moves from children to little ones in verse 6. What does the little ones mean? When he says in, in the start of this verse, if anyone causes one of these little ones, who are these little ones? The little ones uh, mean, not only means children, it also means to take the little ones, means to any least of these. Anyone with little significance. Least of these. Vulnerable people. And Jesus says, these are the little ones. And if anyone causes these little ones, the weak, the vulnerable, people of no significance, and causes them to stumble. And he says, put a, mile, a millstone around their neck and throw them in the sea. So Jesus is concerned about any believer being a stumbling block or an obstacle. Jesus uses some tough language. He uses them to get our attention. He also uses this language to show how serious he is with this matter. Now, what is a stumbling block? There are whole chapters in the New Testament that is devoted to this thing of stumbling blocks. And I was blown as I was preparing to see the whole chapters that's devoted to it. Matthew 18. Acts 15. Romans chapter 14. And 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Both Romans and Corinthians are from Apostle Paul. They follow, they pick up this trait of what Jesus is talking here about being a stumbling block. And they write about in their writing. Whole chapter is dedicated to this as stumbling block. Now what is this stumbling block? It comes from the Greek word, scandalon. From where we get the English word? Candle. Very specifically referring to bait. How many of you like fishing? How do you catch a fish? You can't just throw a line. What do you put at the end of the line? A bait. And that is what it means to be a stumbling block. A bait. And that is what it, it comes uh, from the original word, bait, bait. 
It also means to cause to fall, to cause to be caught in a trap, to trip someone, to trap someone. And it is a very intentional thing. So Jesus here is speaking of enticing, entrapping, influencing a believer and causing them to sin. What a warning for us this morning of us as Christians entrapping others, tripping others and causing them to sin. That is a stumbling block and Jesus says oh, it's like a millstone around the neck. Throw them in the sea. It's very important. A person who is responsible for causing a Christian to sin commits an offense against Christ. And Jesus said, that person who does such things is better off for them to die a terrible death. So friends, in our walk, let's be careful that we will not be a stumbling block to another believer. Let's be careful in how we walk. What was Jesus talking about the large millstone? And that is what it was look like. The one that goes on top, the rolls around on top. It usually dragged by donkeys to grind wheat or things like that. And Jesus says it's better off for a person who stumbles another believer to put that thing, that rock around the neck and put them in the sea. Now he uses a very graphic illustration. The Jews were afraid of drowning. You see, when Jesus was in the boat, when the boat was dry, oh, God, save us. Can't you see Jesus? We are drowning. We are going to die. And the Jews in the, in, the, in the rabbinical writings, they believed that the demons lived at the bottom of the sea. So they didn't want to go there. And Jesus said, that's exactly what's going to happen if you cause someone to stumble. You'll be thrown into the sea. And with a stone like that, even the best swimmer can't come up. He goes to the deepest part of the sea. It was a scary thought when Jesus brought this and told the disciples of this illustration. Why is he telling this? What does it mean for us? Friends, it is a radical step that we must avoid doing it. Putting an end. Put an end to those things that's causing others to stumble. What are some things in your life that's causing others to stumble? Put it to an end. Maybe a harmful relationship. Surrounding a cherished point of view. Breaking an addiction. Forgiveness from a family member. Making a significant lifestyle change. Is what it calls for radical, to take the radical step. This is what Jesus calls us for. If we are stumbling blocks, let's stop it. Stop it. What are some of the ways that we can cause believers to stumble? How do we cause them to stumble? Yeah, that's very bad, yes. The list was not exhaustive, but tempting others, even a kid can point out it's bad. How often in our lives we tempt others and we trip others. What are one of the ways? Tempting others to sin. This is the most obvious way to cause another person who's weak, who's helpless, to stumble. Jesus is warning about tempting, enticing, unsuspecting victims and leading little ones away from the truth. And according to Jesus, 
Anyone who goes out camping, God's people, would be better off to be at the bottom of the sea. So, let's avoid him. Let's avoid tempting others to sin. Setting up bad examples. It's amazing to see who's watching you. Children watch you. People at work watch you. In your neighborhood, neighbors are watching you. You may never invite them to sin, but you might encourage them to sin by your lifestyle. If you are a Christian and you're setting a bad example, we become a stumbling block. If we are a Christian and we are setting a bad example, we become a stumbling block. It's a serious warning for that, friends. Let's be careful in how we live our lifestyle. Apostle Paul gives his last words to his protege, Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4.12, he says, Don't look, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example for believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Here is Paul telling his, his son in Christ, Timothy, a young man. Young people, listen to this. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Set an example for believers in speech. Set an example in life. Set an example in love. Set an example in faith. Set an example in purity. And this is what Paul says to Timothy. As you are sent off to pastor a church, a young man, Paul urges him, don't let anyone look down upon you because you're young. But set an example. Friends, let us be a Christian who will set a good example for others. Thirdly, flaunting our Christian freedom. We who are in Christ enjoy freedom. Chains are broken. We are no more under bondage. We are set free because of Christ. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We are free. But don't let that freedom be a stumbling block to someone. This is serious. Don't let the freedom be a stumbling block to someone. For freedom that is out of control is lost. I always imagine this like a kite. A kite is flying high as long as the kite is tied to the rope. And it's flying high. You can let it fly high and higher. Once the rope is cut and the kite thinks, well, I'm not free here. I want to be free. I want to cut this rope. The kite is lost. If you are flaunting a Christian freedom, it's more important than spiritual well-being of others. We are not experiencing that freedom. If we are flaunting a Christian freedom for someone else's spiritual well-being, then we are not experiencing freedom. We are experiencing death of a freedom on the altar of self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is a stumbling block in our freedom, in our walk with Christ. So friends, let's be careful in how we flaunt our freedom. Let's not do it 
Am I willing to make the most vulnerable feel safe as possible when we get together? Will I submit to what others, to others' needs rather than what I am tempted or I want to demand? Or our worship, is it more of a statement of my freedom to do what I want rather than an opportunity to serve others in love? The whole aspect of a freedom is to serve others in love. Setting an example where Christ would be glorified. And that is what Christ, uh, God wants us, friends. That in our freedom, we glorify Christ. As we are linked with him, as we are tied with him, we can fly high and glorify God. Hebrews 10, 24. One of the passages Gretel read this morning. Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Spur one another towards love and good deeds. Instead of tempting others to sin, we should encourage them to grow in righteousness. Instead of misusing our liberty for our own satisfaction, we should be willing to restrict our liberty whenever, so in, whenever we might help a weaker brother. Instead of setting an evil example, we should set Christ-like example. Instead of provoking others to a point of anger and rebellion, we should stimulate them to good works and love so Christ is glorified. So friends, to avoid stumbling blocks, we must guard others. Don't let them stumble. And don't trip them. Secondly, discipline ourselves, verses 8 to 10. This is what Jesus says. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled rather than to have two of your hands or two feet to be thrown in eternal fire. If your eye causes you to stumble, gorge it out. Throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into the fire of hell. This is Jesus. Me. What did Jesus mean? To gorge out our eyes. Cutting off our hands and feet. What is he talking about? One of the Pharisees, one of the sects of Pharisees, and one of the group, subgroups of the Pharisees were called as the black and blue Pharisees. I'm, I'm not making this up, this is true. They were so concerned about th this commandment of Jesus to gorge out your eyes and hands and chop them away and throw them. They were so concerned about this command that any time a woman came near them, they would close their eyes and watch and eventually run into things. And they would end up with black and blue. They call it black and blue Pharisees. Look, look it up. You can see it. I'm not making it up. So with this whole aspect of being chopping off things and plucking out your eyes, every conservative commentator I read took this teachings of Jesus as hyperbole. As hyper Come on, Lynn. Hyperbole. I was practicing this. <laughs> hyperbole. What is hyperbole? 
It's a figure of speech that uses extreme exaggeration to make a point or show an emphasis. It's not meant to be taken literally. So when Jesus says, gorge out your eyes, cut off your arms and legs, it's not meant to take literally. But it is an exaggeration. Another example, and this lady here says, I've got a million things to do today. Really, a million things to do. And someone says, this basil groceries waste a ton. Surely you can't carry it and waste a ton. I've been waiting forever. Everyone knows that. These all are ex exaggeration statements. But it makes someone to take notice. Even if we pluck our eyes, and it still, friends, it doesn't take care of our hearts. There was a, 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 in the Middle Ages in Christianity, there was a saint. He was called the pillar saint. He, in fact, erected a huge pillar. And he said, I don't want to be tempted by the things of this world. And he lived on top of that pillar. In the end, he had to come down saying, even there he was tempted. Even if you plucked out our eyes, it doesn't take care of the heart problem. And besides, since body is the temple of the living God, self-mutilation is just as a big sin as wandering eye or hands or feet. So, God, so Jesus is not talking about self-mutilation here. But he is using an exaggerated uh, uh, emphasis to show emphasis that this is serious. So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus uses these shocking statements to awaken his clueless disciples. He's using these statements to rattle them out. Rattle them out out of the lethargy. So that sin will not be taken lightly. Jesus is saying that we have to take radical measures to deal with sin that causes our eyes and our hands and our feet. Take radical measures. Which means, stop it today. Stop it today. Most of the time, a stumbling block refers to something or someone who's keeping us away from God. Something or someone who's keeping us away from God. One needs to look at the recent scandals involving some of the famous Christian leaders and its effect on the church and on others. Once they have found out families, friends, congregation, and Christian community at large is ridiculed and scorned. In fact, they become a stumbling block. What does it mean to be a stumbling block today? I was listening to a song by Casting Crowns, Slow Fade. How many of you heard of this? Slow Fade. It's, it was in uh, 2007. Written by Mark Hall. And it says, Be careful, little eyes. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. It's your second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful, little feet, where you go. For it is a little feet behind you that is sure to follow. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. The flattering leads to compromise and end is always near. Be careful, little lips, what you say. For empty words and promises leaves broken hearts astray. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. 
It's a slow fade when black and white turns to gray. And thoughts invade, choices are made, price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. And today, friends, it involves paying attention to things like this. How do we portray ourselves online? Is it possible what I am about to post that might cause envy, jealousy, resentment from the people who see it? What kind of activities do we participate in? Will what I'm doing in my spare time negatively impact others who perceive me as my religion or even my God? How we dress? Are my clothes tasteful? Am I wearing anything that, that, that might make it hard for others to keep their thoughts pure around me? What we say and how we say it, does my choice of words make it easier or harder for those who listen or for those who come to Christ? Here is the big key. As again, as Apostle Paul says in Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or in vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, and value, uh, value others above yourself. Friends, if you're feeling the nudge from the Holy Spirit this morning saying, maybe I have caused someone to stumble. Maybe I'm a stumbling block. And as I was preparing this, I went through myself and said, Lord, is there any way that I'm being a stumbling block? Maybe knowingly or unknowingly. Am I causing someone to stumble? Am I causing someone to walk away from Christ? Maybe with my words, with my actions. I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Here's an encouragement for us from this passage. It really lifted me up as I began reading this. From the same passage. For everyone, for even for one person who has wandered away. Or you might think, maybe I was a stumbling block. Here it is. What do you think? If one man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, he will, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go and look for one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he's happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. Many times we call it as a lost sheep parable. But it will be better called as a wandering sheep. And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he's happier about that one sheep. The shepherd was happy when he found the sheep. Look at that in that verse. He was happy when he found the sheep. He wasn't, he wasn't angry or bitter over the hard work or the loss of time. He was happy. His joy was overflowing. 
And William Barclay, one of the scholars, he says, he points out to this parable and shows us the character of God's love. Being like, the, being like a shepherd caring for the lost sheep. He says it's an individual love. It was a patient love. It was a seeking love. It's a rejoicing love. It's a protecting love. And friends, this morning, God wants to love us. He loves us. He cares for us. He's patient with us. He's seeking us out. He rejoices when we come to him. His love is a protecting love. And friends, we cannot underestimate the importance of getting rid of those things in our lives that causes others to stumble. And that's the message today. Get rid of those things that causes others to stumble or sin. None of us is perfect. We are all Christians in progress. But if our goal is not putting a stumbling block or causing another to fall, the, blessed, the best place to start is turning our attention to him. Our actions has an impact on others. Our words has an impact on others. So let's be careful, friends, that we will not be a stumbling block. He's a restoring God who restores us. Shall we pray? Our Father God, as we come to you this morning, be careful little eyes what you see. It's a second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the string. Be careful little feet where you go. Be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little lips what you say. And dear Lord, as we come before you, if we are causing others to stumble by our words, by our actions, help us, O oh God. Forgive us this morning as we come to you. Help us, Lord, to do nothing out of selfish ambition. Rather, with humility, help us to value others above our own selves above our own needs, above what we want. Lord, let us not be a stumbling block, especially as your bride, as your church, as you've called us. As we walk in this world, help us, Lord, to guard others and to discipline our lives. And thank you, God, that if we have walked away from you, if you have wandered away, Jesus, that you are willing to come looking for that one person. And this morning, Lord, if there's anyone here in our midst who does not know Jesus, please, friends, open your heart. Open your life to receive Jesus into your life. He's a gentle shepherd that's looking for you. Father, help us, O oh Lord God, as we come to you.
if we are causing others to stumble. Help us to stop it today, now. Give us the strength. Give us the strength, Holy Spirit. Help us as we walk with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.